Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard and its many games. I'm Matt. I'm the host. I had a week. Uh, let's not talk about that, though. Let's move straight on to the week you're having. Uh, first up, Anne, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm sorry. Hi. I'm a little, I'm a little weird this week, but that's fine. No, uh, you're this fine. Week is, <laughs> this week's patch uh, 8.1's uh, finally opened up at Season 2, I want to say, uh, with the Battle for Dazara lore. If yeah. you haven't gotten in there yet, I, I haven't, but it, we, it's it's up now. And a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, we also have patch 8.1.5 on the PTR. Yes. So there's that to talk about. But before we move into the meat and potatoes of it, since I didn't get the game this week for, for health reasons, I'm going to ask you, what have you been doing this week? What did you do in the game? Anything? Um, I, well, okay. In the game, haven't been doing too much, just like farming the usual Warfronts, this, that, the other, fruitlessly looking for another dagger. Um. I like how the entirety of season one, air quoting here, of of a battle for Azeroth, I have gotten exactly one dagger that's worth anything <laughs> on my main character. Uh, still looking for that offhand. Maybe I'll find it now. Uh, the 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 story stuff just dropped last or yesterday. The war campaign stuff, and I haven't had a chance to look at it yet because. Um, well, I was binging a lot of TV last night, so, <laughs> so I haven't gotten yeah. a chance to play through it yet. However, I did I just play through it. it myself. Yeah, yeah. I just I did play through both sides on the PTR already, um, so I know what to expect. And there's some pretty heavy hitting lore stuff in here. This is they keep saying that this is like this is the last leg of the war campaign. So I don't know if this is wrapping it up entirely. There is an achievement involved if you get to the end of it and everything. Um, but I don't know if this is like, this is it. That's it for the war campaign. Cause that seems a little early or if it's just, we're going to move on to a new set of story things that may or may not have something to do with the war. And I'm thinking that it's probably that because 
8.2, we're going to be dealing with stuff that isn't necessarily, it's not necessarily faction related. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I mean, the factions are involved, but it's it's yeah. moving on to the, the Naga and the Mechanomes. So yeah. yeah, yeah, there's more stuff that's going to go on that isn't necessarily related to the whole Alliance versus Horde, Colterius versus Xanalar thing. So um, that came out yesterday, though, the last leg of the war campaign. And um, you want to complete that if you want to play um, a Colterian or you want to play a Xandalar troll. Yeah, because... let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Um, the the allied races are coming in eight one five. Yes, but you they can are. unlock them now. You, you can, can unlock them now. Yeah, the 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 way so... that it works is you have to have exalted with the respective faction. So for Colterans, I believe it's Proudmore Admiralty, and then for the Zandalar, it's the Zandalari. Um, oh my gosh, they're called something else though. Zandalari Empire. I think it, yeah, it's like the Zandalari Empire because the Zandalar. I got exalted with them back in vanilla, but it didn't do anything anyway. Um, so yeah, the Zandalari Empire is for the Zandalar trolls, and then the Proudmore Admiralty is for the Colterians. You have to be exalted with either one of those, um, and you, you have to have played through the whole of the story campaign. So. On Alliance side, that means going through, helping Jaina with everything, doing the whole Boralis thing and, you know, putting a bow on that. Like, you finish all of that. And then also, you have to finish the war campaign. And we had three quarters of the war campaign done already. But just yesterday, that was the last leg of the war campaign. So when you finish all of the quests that came out yesterday, you should get the Tides of Vengeance achievement, I think is what it's called, but it might be called something else. Um, it'll ding, it'll register, you'll have it, and then when 8.1.5 comes out, all you have to do is go to your your associated embassy, and you should have the option to unlock either the Colterians or the Xandalar. Like, officially unlock them, make them playable so you can play them. So you can get all of that set up and ready right now, and then you don't have to think about it when 8.1.5 comes out, which is actually pretty great. I, I like the fact that for this allied race, you're doing everything already anyway, just as part of the story, and this just happens kind of naturally. Um, yeah, and you, you don't have to do the, the uh, raid to no. unlock them. It should be no, you out. do not have to do the battle for Dazara lore. Um, after you ding the achievement that says that you finished the war campaign, you do get a follow-up quest that, that you complete in the battle for Dazara lore raid, but you don't have to... Like, that's just an extra thing. It's not part of the achievement or the war campaign yeah. or anything. It's it's worth doing for the story, because the story basically tells you exactly you know why the Zandalar are willing to finally basically formerly a lie with the horde and why the Colterians are finally all in for the alliance but it doesn't it, it's not required to unlock them so that's pretty cool uh i i've been i've been waiting for Colterians for a while i'm still on the fence of whether or not i'm going to level a Colterian druid right away or a zandalari druid originally i thought i was going to do zandalari druid and that was really bugging me because i meant i'd have to like i'd have to work to unlock them toot sweet so i could have that zandalari druid with its dinosaur forms because that's what they have, guys. They have dinosaur forms. But See, then the, the Colterian Druids came out, and they were, like, just ridiculous. I think we, we called them Wickerpunk at one point. Wickerpunk. That was, yeah. the, that was the term you had coined, yes. Yeah, they're like they're like gothic rattan. They're just they're creepy and astonishing. Uh, I'm still kind of amazed that, that Colterian Druid forms. I mean, not just the ones you've seen. Like, you've seen the, 
the bear one because the the that big end there's there's that uh drust npc druid who is in the bear form Ulfair? but they have yeah i don't remember yeah Ulfair. Mm-hmm. um there's but there's plenty of others there's like there's the flight flight form is creepy their caster form is extremely creepy um their c4 <laughs> it's like wow okay you guys i don't know their cat form is the cat form is like pretty much like the bear form it's i like, like the wicker stag too yeah, the Wicker Stag. Yeah, there are. So I'm looking forward to that. That's that's something I'm looking forward to. I'll probably get that done as soon as I can. Uh, I haven't been playing this week, but I'm hoping to be able to play now. And I'll get that taken if care of. I'm you... close to Exalted with the Proud Morality. In fact, I think I am Exalted with them. I'm, well, on my main character, I'm Exalted with everybody because, of course, I am. Um, on my alt, I just dinged Exalted with the Zandalari Empire. I'm working on the other ones. It's just slow going for the that particular because it, it's an alt, so um, yeah. it, it's just my horde alt. And I think, I think I'm very close with Talanji's expedition, and I'm pretty close with Voldoon too. I haven't really been concentrating too much on, um, oh, the Tortolan, and I haven't been concentrating too much with. The champions of Azeroth because I have that on my main. <laughs> yeah, I actually um just checked and the warrior that I'm currently playing is my main. I switched to that character after I got my Death Knight to to 120, so I'm only at I'm only revered, but I'm high revered, so I could probably the next time they do an emissary, I'll probably get it. Um, there you go. It's actually interesting. I I, I did the uh, Jaina stuff on my Death Knight because in fact I did it with you. Uh, we we did that uh, the last quest bit to to get to see the cinematic and stuff. The siege of Boralis, um, yes. Yes, we did that together. I actually tanked that, and I had no idea what I was doing, so it was interesting. Hey, you did um, good. We did all right. That last boss was kind of tricky until we figured it out, and then it was like, oh, okay, run just around do in the thing. <laughs> okay, that's the problem with any fight like that. It's like you know you have to execute this mechanic. It doesn't matter how good you are at playing your class. You have the mechanic has to be executed. There's a that thing works. you have to do, and you have to do the thing. And if you don't know what the thing is that you have to do, well, then you have to figure that that out. And that's pretty much how every raid fight works in World of Warcraft. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, I, as for Battle of the Zara lore, I haven't been in it. I don't think you've been in it either. Um, I know no, I have friends opened, in my guild who have been in it. It opened, I believe it opened on normal and heroic difficulties, if I remember yeah, correctly. And yeah. um, LFR, I don't think LFR opens until next week. As far as I know, it's next week, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and it's the usual... Course, it's like the usual staggered weeks. wings. It's the usual staggered wings for LFR, which stinks, but oh well, that's just how it works. So it's fine. I will see everything eventually. Um, if you're curious about the cinematics and Battle for Dazara lore, Wowhead has released those. They, they data mine them, put them up on YouTube. Um, spoilers, obviously spoilers for stuff that happens in the raid, but if you're interested and you want to see, there is the Alliance intro, and then there is um, like a Horde midpoint it's like a Horde midpoint thing, yeah um, and that one's also pretty story heavy, so um, yeah you can I recommend watch watching the Alliance one spoiler, there's spoilers involved, but yeah the Alliance one, um, I recommend watching it just for Gelbin Mechatork owning the Horde. Just straight up owning them. They are his. He destroys them. They look like I also, I also like Jaina's, J- Jaina's move that she did with the... Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. Um, maybe, was, maybe do that a little earlier. There, there was some so. pretty great just like camera angles and everything else. Like 
they kind of outdid themselves with the whole, ooh, now here's a dramatic slow-mo and here's another thing that's going on. Yeah, it just, it, they were really good. Yeah, but I just liked it because Gelbin gets to finally do a big hero <sighs> moment. And it's it's really great it's to see. It's about time. I was so happy. Um, but yeah, we, we, we should probably move on to talk at least a little bit about 815 because that's on the PTR. And there's some stuff coming. Like, obviously, the Allied races are coming in 815. Yeah, um, the Allied now, races but... are coming. There are there If you want um, like a preview of those, you can go play them on the PTR right now. Again, you have to finish that last... Like you have to have the requirements met to do it, but if you do, if you have them unlocked on live servers, like if you finish the war campaign and everything on live servers, just copy your character over to the PTR, and when you do, oh, cool, they'll be open to you, and you can play those. Um, they're pretty cool. I've played through them both. There are, we have kind of guided galleries for both sides available on the website. Um, keep in mind that the stuff in there it's not necessarily finalized and it's not necessarily ironed out there are some details that aren't in yet there are cinematics that haven't been implemented yet for them but they're pretty cool i don't know i like playing through them i like i think the colterian women are great i love that model oh uh, colterian colterian men are just kind of not doing it for me but the colterian women look great and uh Zandalari, both men male and female look great uh female especially but the males look good I love of the Colterian models. I love the Colterian models. Um, I think that they are different enough from the standard human model that it's like, ah, cool, we finally got some variation going on here. Um, the only thing that I wish is I sort of wish that you could use like the big buff versions and you could also use the scrawny dudes that are running around. I understand why they aren't using those. Um, I'm pretty sure it's because that's basically a reskinned Forsaken model. Like, yeah, that's what that yeah. is. So when you're looking at silhouettes and being able to easily distinguish one from one faction from the other, you don't want to put the scrawny, the scrawny models in for the Alliance because it looks like more Forsaken running around, even though it's not really a Forsaken and people could get confused. And I mean, I get it, right? Well, plus, Logically I mean, speaking, the, the, I get the, it. The, yeah, the scrawny models also don't have the range of customization stuff built in. No, no. And that's also a problem. I yeah. still wish it was. I still wish that, like, I wish that it was an option. I wish there was like a height option. You know, um, part of the stuff that, I, or part of the reason why I like doing Drusvar, uh, that whole bit in Drusvar where you recruit and you kind of form the Order of the Embers, and you have your little ragtag band, right? Yeah, they're all different heights. Like even the humans, there's like variation in the height between the humans, and I'm like. Did we get a height slider? Is there a height thing where we can pick how tall our characters are now? Because some of these humans, it's the same model, but some of them are taller than the other ones. How does that work out? Um, and that never came into play. That's one yeah, of those. I... It's one of those subtle things that I kind of wish that they'd add to the game. I don't think that it would like break anything. I think you're right about the Colterans because I mean, Colterans still have the same problem that humans have, and that I can never buy them as casters. Because they're all super thick. Yeah. These are some swole people. I mean, they just, you know, these are people who, I, I'm sorry, a, a wizard comes out and they look like that. I'm like, did you stop by wizard school on your way to Mr. Olympia? What's going on with you, man? Like, oh, you know, spellbooks. See, knowledge is power and power, energy and matter are the same thing, basically. So, yeah, spellbooks are extremely heavy. That's they're why we're all just lifting built. constantly. Yeah, we're just jacked because this, this <laughs> came uh, so yeah, I, I I like them. I especially like the Colterans for like you know 
various warrior types. Um, can't play a Death Knight on them, obviously, which is, you know, unfortunate. I do hope at some point Blizzard goes back and just comes up with a way to have, like, some of the allied races as Death Knights. Oh, it's, I think that's it's, in the works, Rossi. Why don't you it, think that's in the works? I think that's in the works. They've certainly talked about them wanting to do it. I'm just hoping it actually does happen. There has to be motivation for it to happen, and the motivation for that to happen would be that there is some kind of entity out there that can do what the Lich King did initially to raise that first wave of Death Knights. And we kind of have that floating out there already. I feel like it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, there certainly are several candidates at this point. I think yeah. I can think of three just off the top of my head. I know, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but th- so that's coming. Um, there's there's new Brawlers Guild stuff. Uh, can you explain the Bruce mount? Because I I didn't get it when it happened. So okay, so Bruce is one of the original bosses in the Brawlers Guild, and for whatever reason, I don't know why. I thought it was just a tradition on my server, but apparently it's just a tradition everywhere. Whenever you fought Bruce, everybody that was spectating and waiting their turn to go had to scream Bruce really loud. Like you, just, that was just what you did, right? Um, Bruce is just a crocolisk. It's just a big crocolisk. <laughs> but they decided to finally turn him into a mount in the latest iteration of the Brawlers Guild. Um, they're reopening it in 8.1.5. I'm really excited about that. Bruce has been kind of given an upgrade. He's actually got armor. He's got um, like a jaw plate thing with like spikes coming out of it. It's pretty great. He's got a spike saddle. Um, you can get you can get Bruce. They also are coming out with transmog sets with um, new armor that look really cool too. Again, it's like Brawler's Guild themed. So think like leather with the helm and the spikes and everything else. It's kind of looks horde-ish, but not really because it's all sort of brown and browns and blues and grays. So it's more Brawler's Guild. But there are going to be more fights. There's going to be challenge fights. There's going to be 14 new challenge fights, new cards that'll be added to unlock these these like new challenge fights. Um, the most interesting one, I think, that's coming out, and I look forward to seeing it, is the uh, Hyper Mega Mecha Seagull 9000. And it's a big seagull. <laughs> I'm going to be having flashbacks to that, that entirety of previous dungeon that was basically just seagulls trying to kill you constantly the one with the eye uh, of ashara wrath of ashara yeah, thank you anyway um yeah so yeah seagulls have become this fearsome fearsome thing in game <laughs> i don't know how it happened it just happened it's yeah it's just part of the in-game lore now and yeah one of the challenge cards you can you can throw down and fight the hyper mega mega seagull um, say that 10 times fast. I'm not going to. But uh, I'm really excited about this because I love the Brawler's Guild. It's kind of my thing to do when I've got nothing else to do. Just go pummel some things and do some personal solo challenge stuff. It's sort of like... I think it's kind of like the Mage Tower. Like the Mage Tower reminded me of the Brawler's Guild because it was a personal challenge that only you could do, Right. And it was a really tough kind of personal challenge that required going across, going up against a boss. Now, the Mage Tower was kind of... Um, it was designed to work with people's specialties. So different bosses were set for different classes. 
and various class abilities countered what those bosses did. With these guys, any class can go up against them. They've just got some really tricky, ridiculous, terrible mechanics that you need to get around. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, cool. Uh, we should probably talk about the uh, Overwatch Lunar Festival stuff really fast because, I mean, we didn't get to it last week. Um, I know that I've seen some of the new skins. Like, I saw the Hanzo skin, which is uh, dragon-based. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But, like, what else? I, isn't there one for uh, Reaper? I, I think Reaper has one that's... Yeah, Reaper has the Lu Bu skin, um, and I'm probably pronouncing all of these wrong, and I feel really terrible. Um, these are all these are all actually like cultural references to to different figures in Chinese history. Um, so, like Lu Bu was he was a Chinese warlord during the Eastern Han Dynasty, um, and he had troubles controlling his own men, which kind of suits Gabriel Reyes for for whatever reason. Because you know he was in Blackwatch and everything. So, uh, yeah, Reaper's got a new skin. Hanzo has a new skin um, called. I'm going to mangle this. I really, I just need to look these up before we start doing a podcast. But Huang Zhang, Huang Zhang, something like that, Hanzo, um, he was a military general. And uh, the skin is, all of these skins are like super ornate. They've got like cool metallic kind of gold pieces in this. Hanzo has a beard in this one, like a full on white beard. And it looks a little odd. I'm just going to say it. It looks a little odd. It looks like he found a Santa beard in the closet and kind of put it on his face, but there's like little gaps. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look great. I hope they fix it before this goes live, but this goes live I think this week. So I'm the... hoping they don't and that that's actually established <laughs> that he's wearing a Santa beard. He's just wearing a fake beard over his other beard. Um I was you you're also getting a Santa skin this year, so this is the beard from it. Enjoy. Yeah, Reinhardt Reinhardt has a new skin um called Guan Yu. I think is how you pronounce it. And he's got a beard, like a big, the thing about all of these new skins is they have these big full beards and they look amazing or they look really funny. In Hanzo's case, it looks like a fake beard. In Reinhardt's case, man, it looks great. It looks really great. All the screenshots of it look really great. I don't know what it's going to look like in action. I hope it looks okay. Seemed to look okay on the little clip that they released on Twitter. Um, Torbjorn also has a new skin um, called um, Zhang Fei, I think is how you pronounce it. And he was another general who was like loyal to his leader, everything else. So was, so was, uh, Reinhardt's skin but um Torbjorn also has a beard it's very spiky and weird and it kind of looks like a recolor of the existing stuff that he's working with only fuller and this really big mustache and this really overdone kind of spike hairdo all of these skins are really cool looking um the other thing that I was really excited about is Zenyatta has a skin has a new skin and it's been a while since I've seen like a new skin for Zenyatta that I've been really excited about. And I don't even, I wish I, again, I wish I had looked up the pronunciation on these. Um, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce this one because I don't know. Um, but his is the character that he represents. They were a scholar, politician, writer, intelligent, thoughtful everything that kind of embodies who Zenyatta is and the skin itself is it's kind of like a cross between the really ornate stuff that we see for the other characters and then Omnic like elegant Omnic it's really pretty um 
Then we've also got a, a new skin for Brigitte. Uh, I don't know if it has a name as of yet. These are kind of, um, they haven't been officially announced yet. Uh, and then I think the other one that was there, there was one for Tracer. Tracer's got one for herself. And I want to say that there was one for Orisa too. There was, yeah, there was one for Orisa. And the one for Orisa is basically, it looks like the lion tall costume that Anna wears in her version of the skin, only it's Orisa's version of it. Um, and it's at once terrifying and really beautiful. So yeah, this is all just part of the Lunar New Year event. I don't think, I don't know if there's anything new being added for the Lunar New Year. I'm assuming that we're going to get, you know, the Lunar New Year version of the Lijang, the tower map because we get that every every time. Um, and I think we might be getting a nighttime Busan too, which would be really, really cool. Uh, and I think we're going to get, you know, competitive capture the flag like we usually do. I don't know if they're adding anything new to the event though, beyond that, beyond that in the skins. Um, that comes out, I want to say it's like the 24th. So it is this week. It's actually, it should be tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, if you're listening to this live, if you're listening to this if you're listening to the recorded version of this, it should be it live already. It came out yesterday, yeah. and it was great, and we're really excited about it. <laughs> anyway, it comes out on the 24th, and it runs through February 18th, so people should have plenty of time to go and get the skins that they want, do that kind of thing. Um, with every event that they do, usually they give away a free loot, free loot box, so be sure to log in and grab that once the event goes live, because who knows, you could get one of these really cool new skins in there. And you, you've got till February 18th yeah. to play it. So yeah. you got a couple weeks. Yeah, and uh, I like the Capture the Flag stuff too. It's pretty fun. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. I, I don't know, again, I don't know if they're going to add anything else like super new to it. But um, if they do, I'll be happy. They don't need to though. The skins are great. Honestly, the skins in and of themselves are amazing. So we should probably go ahead and talk about some other stuff, yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered a lot of stuff. Uh, the only thing I could think of to even mention at this point would be that there's going to be a Q&A this week. There's going to uh, be a Q&A. Uh, the Q&A is coming out, I want to say, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow or Friday? I think it's I think tomorrow, it's tomorrow. But it's the usual pattern. So, again, if you're listening to this recorded, it was yesterday. And, boy, wasn't that something. <laughs> um, the the Q&A is with Ian Hezacosta, so, uh And this is an actual proper Q&A. Like, there's actually a, a thread where you can submit questions for the thing. You can use the hashtag to submit questions for the thing. So it will be a question-answer session. Um, I know a lot of people with the lore one that they came out with, they were kind of confused about the lore one. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of queuing and Aing in the lore and one. No, people were assuming that it was going to be a Q&A thing, but it wasn't a Q&A. It wasn't advertised as a Q&A. And there wasn't, like, we didn't get a thread where people could submit questions or anything like that. That, yeah, they, that didn't, wasn't... they didn't ask any questions in the first yeah. place. So, yeah. yeah, it was just kind it of like It was cool a... for what it was. I gotta, yeah. I gotta say this, because I've heard people talk negatively about it. It was cool for what it was. If you were really hoping they'd take questions and answer stuff, then I could see why you'd be disappointed, but it 
there were no questions. That wasn't what they were doing. Uh, I actually hope they do more like that. I just hope they make it really clear for everybody. Yeah, there, this isn't a Q&A. This is just us talking about stuff. Because it's, it's kind of like a little BlizzCon panel. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Was It, it was kind of, it felt like a little mini BlizzCon panel of sorts where they got to talk about how they were doing what they were doing and how it works, how, how making lore works. Um, and there are some important takeaways to be taken from that. First up, it's not just one person writing the lore, guys. It's no, a lot no. of people. It's a lot of... It, it's like... It's several teams and then lots of people on each of those teams that are all working in tandem and working together. It's not just one person saying, this is what's going to happen, and everybody else saying, oh, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do that. That's that's not... That's never how it's worked. Alex Afrasiabi does not kick in the door, throw in a note, and go, that, and then leave with a yeah. lot of smoke. It's, it's not how it's, it works. <laughs> They have they have a lot of meetings. There's a lot of collaboration back and forth. Ideas get floated. They get tested out. They get, you know, this won't work because of this. This will work. Are we going to run with it? There's a lot. That, one of the really good things was actually getting to hear Taryn and uh, Steve. Oh, I like to call him guy who won't give me my shoulders. Um, I, I like to listen to the two of them talking about how the process iterated between various departments, how they, you know, go back and forth. And, well, we were doing this. And then we thought, uh, one, one of the things I'll mention uh, the character of Zakan that became so popular, he didn't get more featured because he became popular. They, because that's not how it works. They don't have the ability to like react on the fly like that. The they they had already had a lot of the stuff in the when when we got to see Zakan's first appearance, he was already in like stuff going down the road. They'd already there, started. There was more quests. stuff in production that yeah. had him in it. <laughs> it was already being made. Uh, the, the old soldiers was already being made when we first saw him in the in the trailer, the cinematic trailer for for Battle for Azeroth, where he first shows up throwing lightning around. He's already in, being made in old soldiers, but we hadn't seen it yet. And likewise, by the time we saw old soldiers, he was already in quests that we're going to get to see fairly soon. I think that in fact they're live today. Um, so that the process they they do like it when people like a character and that might influence them down the road but it it isn't as fast as oh they like him quickly make more stuff with him it doesn't work that way uh because it can't work that way the stuff is in production for months before you actually see it uh, so i thought that was interesting anything you particularly you want to throw up before we talk about the actual q a is happening they were talking about the idea behind player choice and um a lot of people myself included were really our interest was kind of, you know, perked up a little bit with all of these little moments in the Horde campaign where all of a sudden players can choose to do stuff and you get that pop-up window and it says, hey, this thing that you chose, it'll have consequences down the road. That's not something that we've seen in World of Warcraft before and it felt like a very kind of Bioware-ish thing to do. Um, Bioware games like Dragon Age and like Mass Effect, they're typically very heavily centered on the idea of choice and you the game itself it, it's a combination of combat and that kind of thing and also picking your way through a narrative path and there's several different branches so it's kind of choose your own adventure in some aspects um so there were a lot of people myself included that were wondering is blizzard like are they are they working their way towards something like this is this going to be the new what's going on here um they went over that in the whole lore thing and they were talking about the idea of choice and that this this didn't signify any kind of they aren't doing any sort of overhaul to quest design or anything like that it's just it's like 
It's like when they put a cinematic in the game. They put a cinematic in the game where they feel like it'll have the most narrative impact. Where there's a moment where it's like it just needs that additional punch. For the player choice stuff, it's those moments where it feels like, yeah, the player should be able to make a decision here. This is important enough that it would be interesting if we could, you know, have those branches fork somewhere down the road. And they did say that they are working on those moments that come about as a result of your decisions, the decisions that you made. So there is going to be some sort of payoff to those choices later on down the road. We just don't know what they're going to be yet. Um, knowing Taryn and knowing Steve and knowing the quest design team and what they've put out so far, I imagine it's probably going to be pretty cool. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I didn't think that it was a terrible panel or anything like that. I mean, it wasn't a Q&A, and a lot of people were kind of disappointed that it wasn't a Q&A, but they never advertised it as a Q&A. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it was more the fact that it was in the same, like, all we've seen from them so far on the, along this line has been Q&As. So we were kind of conditioned to expect it, and thus when it wasn't that, people were surprised and a little bit upset, which I, I get. I, I can. I kind of wanted them to, to answer some questions too. I got lots of questions. I would like to ask them for a lot of questions. So we, we have plenty of questions for them, but I think that in this case they kind of wanted to give a little introductory thing. They wanted to give a little background on what was going on. They wanted to talk about that choice thing. I, I think the fact that they brought that up and they started talking about that—that that was very much a look. We're going to quell everybody's. We're not going to let people go overboard here with the speculation. Let's just go ahead and nip this in the bud right now and let you know this is not the new normal. This is not something that we're going to be doing with every single game. We're not going towards some kind of Bioware, choose your own adventure style. That's not what World of Warcraft is. But this is where we're putting it in where it feels appropriate and where we feel like we need that additional narrative punch to, you know, kind of draw people in a little bit more. And that makes sense. So yeah, I feel like this this initial panel it was it was just kind of to clear up maybe some of the misconceptions that people had about the story team because a lot of people think that it's like it's just one person back there that's writing the whole thing and then everybody else is doing it and it's not that's not how it's that's never how it's worked even when no. Metzen was in charge of like narrative design and stuff like that 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 was not how it no. worked. <laughs> this game has always been very collaborative in its its design and implementation yeah. and especially story that's going back to the actual warcraft games that's the way it's been so yeah there's no there's no person who wears the the praise or blame hat it's a it's a group effort but uh i think that pretty much moves it up for uh email for not for emails obviously for uh stories and we can move on to emails so yeah if you got if you guys have an email for the show uh please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with either podcast or blizzard watch in the subject line so we know it's for this show and not for the other show um Anne's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Anne. Okay, first email is from... I'm going to mess this up. My pronunciation today is just terrible. Um, Serifanos of Steamweedle. Hopefully I got that right. Who says, hello, Forgotten Bastions of Antiquity. Thanks. Okay. I don't feel I'm that old. Yeah. (laughs) 
They said, I think we need another world revamp like in Cataclysm. Please hear me out. I think the problem with Cataclysm and the world revamp was that people who were max level missed it all. So much stuff was changed and updated in the 1-60 to zones to bring them up to speed with Deathwing's invasion of Azeroth, but we didn't see much of it because, well, we were max level. So we really only saw the max level zones and we didn't realize how much we were missing. But with scaling, you could theoretically do content that max level people could see in the revamp zones. Your thoughts? Love the show. Keep up the awesome job, Serafanos. I mean, I kind of feel like that's what they did with Warfronts. I mean, it certainly uh, Arathi kind of got that. Arathi's been redesigned, and it's it's for the max level. So you could do that. You could have the world redesigned and just have the redesigned stuff be max level, like with scaling. That that does make sense. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I think I'm knee-jerk against this just because Cataclysm didn't work. So I'm trying to be fair, but I, I have that like instinctive backlash against it. Do you know what I mean? Here's like, here's the thing. If they were going to do that, this would have been the perfect expansion to do that in. And here's why. Allied races. To get the heritage armor, you have to level from level 20 onwards, right? You have to get all the way to max level which means you have to go through part of that vanilla content, which means that people that are leveling these allied races, they would see all that new content and it would actually be like something that people would experience as a natural course of what they're doing with these allied races, right? We didn't have that in Cataclysm. The only thing that we had in Cataclysm was we had two new races. We had Worgen and we had Goblins. So if you were leveling a Worgen character or you were leveling a Goblin character, you got to play through all that good, good new content only most of the time you're playing through it so fast that you miss half the story anyway. But that's beside the point. You still got to play through it. But th- that was the only instance in which you went through and you did it. With Allied Races, we have like this palette of different characters. Like, there, how many Allied Races are we up to now? Oh, A lot. Geez. Um, six? I want to say yeah, six. Yeah, we've got like Maybe six. Maybe it's eight. Six. Uh, is it eight with the Zandalar and the Kulterans? Yeah, because we started off with four that came in from Legion. Yeah, uh, and then we got the then... Maghar and the Dark Iron, and then we get the Zandalari. And the... so yeah, eight total so far. There may be more later, who knows? But you know, four on either side, and all of those characters. If you want the Heritage Armor, you have to level from twenty on up. Now, obviously, you can go ahead and just like pay for a race change or whatever once you've unlocked these guys, but you won't get that Heritage Armor. So yeah, I think that a lot of the problem with Cataclysm, and I mean, we've talked about this before, a lot of the problem with Cataclysm was that a lot of the focus was spent on that rework of all of these old world zones and bringing them up to speed with current day and making them reflective of the story in Cataclysm, which was great and all, but most people were max level, so they didn't play through it. And again, I feel like I should reiterate, if you've never played through those Cataclysm zones, you should take your take your max level character and just go bust through them. It'll take you like a half hour, maybe. It won't take you long because you already outlevel the content so severely that you can kill everything in one shot anyway, so that's no big deal. You can just go experience the story. And the story is totally worth it. All of the story that we didn't feel like we got in Cataclysm because the end game and the higher levels, they were kind of on rails, as it were, particularly in places like Oldham, but, you know, we talked about that. 
they talked about it in the Q&A. <laughs> they did. They even talked about it in the Q&A. They were like, sometimes we get a little too enthusiastic with new technology. Yes, we know. We've seen it before. Remember the Oculus? Anyway, <laughs> vehicular combat was not great. It wasn't so, even great when it worked well. Like, like <laughs> Ulduar, it works well, and it still isn't fun. It's still kind of tedious, yeah. It was cool for, like, the first couple of times that you did it. And then after that, it was like, ugh, can we just go to the boss? Anyway, um, besides that, there are a lot... A lot of the story that we felt like we didn't get much of in Cataclysm is actually wrapped up in those old world zones. So going through and leveling through it is just worth it. Do I think that they should dedicate the time to do another world revamp on Cataclysm level? No. Because when they do that, unless they double the size of their team and have half the team working on the revamp and the other half of the team working on the max level stuff, one side is going to miss out a little bit and it's not going to be as shiny and wonderful. That's what we saw in Cataclysm. Cataclysm also had the problem of them not realizing how big it was going to be. Like they started thinking, "Oh, this will take us, you know, we'll 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 work on this a little bit, get this set up to shape, and then we'll we'll move on to the other stuff." It was an enormous. Like six, it was yeah. an enormous project. It was way bigger yes. than they thought it was going to be. Um, I I really think it would only work. Like I think Anne's got a point about it having. If you were going to do it, this was the expansion to do it. I think if they were going to do it now, the only way it would work is if that was the end game content. Like if you actually went back to say, you know, the Eastern Kingdoms and Kalimdor as a level 120 to 130 character or whatever the level cap is going to be, and you leveled in those zones and everything was scaled up to your level and the redesign was was the content, then I think it would work. Um, but I don't know if people would accept that. I feel like people like the new, like I think I forget. I think going back as far as like when Mists came out. Uh, I remember, I, I don't remember who said this. Uh, I wish I did because it's making my brain itch. But I remember them saying something like, it turns out people like that new place. They like that new, you know, if it's an island or a continent or a world or whatever, they like going to that new place and exploring it. They really liked it in in, in uh, Burning Crusade. They really liked it in Wrath. And then in Cataclysm, they didn't get it. They didn't get that. They got these disconnected places, many of which were just on the world map. And there was no connection to them, and there was no story flow through them, and they really missed that. So I think they were people split would miss all it. over the place. Yeah, it wasn't one people... unified new continent or whatever. It was a bunch of zones that were scattered all over the place. I think people would miss it if it wasn't there. And doing something where you go back to like you know Ek and Kalimdor and level again, unless you actually made like a whole new story that went through, well, and and still it wouldn't have the new place feel. Uh, it's not new. We've been there. So I, I do think people would have problems with it. I, I don't know if that's possible to overcome it, but I do think, like, even if you look at Battle for Azeroth, we got two new places that we can go to, and people are saying they're not new enough. They're not different enough. I so think, I, I think the way to make it work is using the Warfront model, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Because the way that the Warfront model works is... I mean, we have a new Arathi now. We didn't we didn't have it before, but we have it now. You can you still see old Arathi if you're leveling through it as like a low level character, you still see old Arathi. You you don't see the updated version until you're the right level to see it. But and it's the same thing with Darkshore. You don't you don't yeah. see Darkshore as it is right now until you get to the point 
where you're a high enough level for it. I feel like if they did this with zones, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a quote-unquote war front, it's mostly, is there something story-related that's important happening in that area? And it doesn't have to be all at once, but it's a way to present an alternate kind of end-level content that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't require creating a new zone, it doesn't require creating new art assets, assets or anything necessarily. It just requires a world revamp of sorts. Um, but if you do it on a zone-by-zone zone basis, I mean, how many zones are in vanilla? That's a lot of content. And when you yeah. get to the end of all of that, you essentially have that kind of remade world for max level players. The old, you know, when you're a little, when you're, when you're <laughs> a little, when you're a low level character, you're still playing through the cataclysm stuff, which is kind of, I don't know. My problem with cataclysm, there, there were a couple of things that I didn't like in cataclysm. Number one, the end game felt really disjointed, like not just the end game, but the lev max level leveling experience in general it felt really disjointed because you were being sent all over the place but it also felt like it didn't have a cohesive story and that's because a lot of that cohesive story was kind of being funneled into these low level zones and that's the other problem is that these low level zones they were remade to reflect what was going on in cataclysm which means that they aren't timeless they're already dated they were dated the second we were done with cataclysm yeah, I mean, at this point, we're further away from Cataclysm than we were in Cataclysm away from Vanilla. And Vanilla was having some dating issues because the other two expansions had made it start to feel a little dated. Right. But nothing like what we've got now, where Deathwing is occasionally flying through zones. <laughs> you know? I don't um, think Deathwing flies through places anymore. No, he does, but... he does ones where he actually has to. Like, for instance, the day Deathwing... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the yeah. day Deathwing came and then um, the stuff that's going on in Twilight Highlands, I think he shows up there and he's fighting with Alex Straza, which is still yeah. cool to see. But I think that if they are going to revamp older zones, and I feel like the way they should approach it, if they ever decide to do this again, I don't know if they will. Because again, it, you have to have a vested interest in going back and playing through that older content to make it worthwhile. But if they were going to do it, I feel like they should make it in a way that it's timeless. It's not necessarily relating to any of the main story of whatever expansion happens to be current. It's its own story in and of itself, and it works outside of the main narrative. You know what I mean? It would be a good... I mean, one of the things that Vanilla had, and I mean, we have been talking about this for a while, so we probably should move on, but Maybe. one of the things <laughs> Vanilla had was it had, like, zones that were built around dungeons. Yeah. And the story of the dungeon and the zone. Like, for instance, Shadowfang Keep in the original... Uh, version of, of oh bloody heck I want to oh, say Silver, Silver man. Pine. Yeah, Silver Pine. yeah you're just reminding yeah. me of the Sons of Aragal <laughs> yeah but the, the, the original the original dungeon was tied to the quests and stuff in the zone and that was the story of the zone it kind of did it, it didn't really have a specific overarching connecting to the rest of WoW's story the story of the zone was what's going on in this weird place you could easily put like a new quest hub in a zone and have people go and do those quests and unlock something. Maybe it's got a dungeon, maybe it doesn't. But you could have I, that be the story of the zone, and that story doesn't have to be about, you know, meanwhile, Sylvanas is doing evil stuff, or meanwhile, the Alliance is, you know, uh, desperate because they think they're losing. You could I have it feel be like just... I feel like right now, and, and I've felt like this since they came out with it, 
the new Westfall reflects that perfectly. Because yeah. it's an update, yeah. but it's tied into the dungeon. that you, It's tied into Deadmines. The whole thing is tied into Deadmines. And there are references, yes, to the political situation that's going on in Stormwind. And obviously there's references to Varian, who isn't there anymore, technically. But, you know, he was back then. But it's not... There's there's nothing necessarily related to the Cataclysm other than, oh, hey, there's a giant tornado in the middle <laughs> of the zone. But beyond that, when when you look at the actual story of the zone, it's all kind of tied into and leads up to what's in the Dead Mines. And yeah, I feel like so it, that was a good revamp. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's nice and self-contained. It doesn't really require you to, like be part of a larger thing but yeah we should definitely move on because we've been talking about this for like 20 minutes yeah so sorry it's it's one of those things that i'm like i'm really into that idea but i feel like it has to be done correctly p.s i also feel like if they decide to go this route and do the warfront thing without being a warfront the first thing that they should do is they should go back to gilneas because hi it's time. Yeah, seriously what what is is going on time it is time to do something out there okay Next email. This is from Vertigree, who says, Hi, this is Vertigree, Undead Frostmage on Dalaran server. I've been wondering what might happen to our next slot once we, I assume, use the Heart of Azeroth to heal the Dying Titan. Since we have all have the same necklace right now, do you think there might be new necklace technology to give us cool stuff in the future and maybe even make textured necklaces? The Heart has one, but only when you use it. Jaina has her Admiralty necklace, and Gallowix has gold chains. Do you think it's possible to add this as another combination to Transmog? Best wishes, Vertigree. I wish. I mean, it's possible. Uh, they could do whatever they want. Keep in mind, if the Heart of Azeroth was actually visible on your character, that thing is big. <laughs> that thing looks like a clock that you're carrying around. It, it's less a necklace and more of like a straight-up... It's bling. It, it's, it's big. Uh, so... I mean, when your Torrens holding it, it takes up the whole of your Torrens hand. I, uh, I like yeah, to that, think that's... that my character is just carrying that around, like in a pocket, like a pocket watch or something like that. <laughs> your, your, your Not around are it. Like, it's what? just like, she has a backpack that's like dedicated to the necklace because it's that big. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fairly large sucker. It's like purse sized. So yeah, I could I could definitely see that. I don't. I like the idea, but at the same time, transmog is pretty complicated. It's there's a lot of slots involved. I don't know, like I mean, looking at my character right now, I've got, I, and I'm using a full transmog. Nothing's nothing's hidden. I've got helmet, weapon, shoulders, chest plate, gloves, bracers, belt, boots, and leggings. Like that's that's a fair and, and there's cloak, but I'm not using the cloak is turned off. But I could have cloak in there as well. That's that's a significant amount of slots to work with. If you start putting in necklaces, you know that. The next thing people are going to want is, of course, earrings, jewelry type stuff. I mean, there's rings. There comes a point where you have to say, is it worth doing for the amount of work it's going to take? Is it worth doing for the amount of effort you're going to have to put in for it? And I'm not saying it isn't worth it, but I don't know. Maybe a few items. Like, I think like a few cosmetic items. But I mean, didn't they say that for a while they were going to do quivers and like tomes and stuff? And then we haven't seen those. Yes. And then I think they said that it was more technically complicated than they initially thought. So it's something that they are still, I I believe they're still working on it. It's just nothing that's coming out immediately because there's other stuff that needed to be done that like took priority. Yeah. And I understand, you know. I personally wouldn't mind if there were like, say, 20 or so necklaces you could choose to display. Um, but I don't think every necklace should have a complicated graphic that you can display. 
for, for one thing, a lot of necklaces you'd wear underneath your armor. Uh, I certainly think you should be wearing, if you are wearing the Heart of Azeroth, I don't know how you're wearing that under your armor. Um, but, you know, hey, you probably should because you don't want that thing exposed. It's got a lot of Azerite in it. And people tend to like Azerite. I'm actually sort of amazed I don't wake up with, like, you know, a whole bunch of people outside my house trying to steal my Azerite necklace. Because then again, maybe I do, maybe I do. Forget I mean, the whole people want it. It's also highly explosive, so carrying it on your chest where you might get hit. It's yeah, just like, it's just like carrying around the thing that says "hit here" to blow me up. It's like, no, it's like a big detonate button that you're just carrying around on your neck. No, that's that's a terrible idea. I- I got to admit up front that I'm not a huge fan of the necklaces in terms of how it looks. Uh, not that it's ugly or anything. It's just it doesn't look like a piece of jewelry that I'd wear. It does look like when you said it looks like a like it would go in a backpack. It does look like something you'd carry around because it's just so big. I have a hard time imagining you doing stuff with it on, especially like the jumping and slicing with weapons and all that various stuff we do. But I don't know. I, as I mean, I get doing... why it's big. The reason it's big, it's not big because... It's a big necklace. It's big because you want to be able to see the thing that you're working with. This is a cool object or whatever. Oh, you want to see the model. You make the model too small and it's like, why am I piddling around with this teeny tiny little thing? Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, It doesn't look important. It looks important if it's big. (laughs) So it's just just a perception issue type, type thing. And I imagine that were it an actual necklace, it would obviously be smaller. But I don't. I don't know if that needs to be a transmog thing. And I feel like if there was a transmog thing for jewelry, it would invalidate. I mean, one of the things that you can do on the character select screen when you're, when you're customizing your character, you can choose their piercings. You can, you can go through a a selection of different earrings and things like that. If they wanted to add one that was just, instead of being piercings was just jewelry in general, where you could flip through like necklaces and rings and all this other stuff okay cool realistically though when are you going to see that with the armor that they design because the armor that they design isn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily lend itself towards showing anything that's on the model underneath it yeah obviously you can't you see your character's underwear when they're wearing armor is there a design for it yeah and is it really cool yeah it's really aesthetically cool some of them have really cool looking underwear but you're not going to see it um and it feels like the same thing would kind of come into play with any kind of necklace. Because they can't design the necklace to just sit on the neck and float above your armor. I feel like that's pushing the limit of what they can do, you know, from a technical standpoint. Plus it would look weird. Some it armor would look does really not... weird. <laughs> like one of the sets I wear a lot, transmog-wise, is actually got a floating chest plate design. It's actually really large. And it would clip... If there was a necklace on my chest, it would clip right through it. It would look like I had chains just going down into nothing. So I don't expect them to do anything like that. I think it would be kind of interesting if they had a few necklaces you could display if you wanted. But I think you're you're getting to the point where you're going to – you've already taken – Transmog is about as complicated a system as it needs to be. At this point, I think what they should be doing with Transmog is quality of life changes – to make it easier to use and easier to build sets and easier to find pieces. And maybe reduce some of the restrictions they have on it. Revisit it. Hey, Blizzard, make, let me transmog anything else on top of a dagger. Just a fist weapon. Come on. Let me put a fist weapon on top of a deck. I'm so tired of daggers. Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, there, there's more to be done with transmog than that. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page. Okay, uh, I think we're probably going to make this one our last email because we are running late in the show here. Uh, this is from Tuckfin who says, Hey, uh, Tuckfin here again, the adorable gnome warrior. I have every class at 110 and two classes at 120, a priest and a paladin. I want to focus on three tunes at the moment. Should I delete the rest? All the characters give me an overwhelming feeling. I know what a lame problem to have, but I would love to know your thoughts. I think I know Rossi's opinion already. Also, final thought, what third class should I keep? Sorry for the long one this time. Your pal Tuckfin. Actually, Tuckfin, that was just right. Um, so every class at 110, two classes at 120, you want to focus on three. Should you delete the rest of them? I feel like deleting your characters is a mistake for a lot of reasons. Um, first up, if you decide in two years or whatever that you want to play a different class, uh, it's the difference between having to level to 110 and then to like whatever max level is then and having to level from zero. Uh, that's a big chunk of time. Uh, that's that's money now. You can codify how much that costs based on whatever the, the max level boost thing is in the next expansion. Whatever they charge for that, I think it's about sixty-five, seventy bucks U.S. That's that's the amount of money you you'd have to spend. So that's how much money you're deleting. And uh, yeah, sometimes you can get characters restored. Sometimes you can't. Especially if you delete them and then you wait a year and say, oh, wow, I wish I hadn't deleted my Death Knight. Uh, or, oh, geez, man, I had a mage at 110. Now I really wish I had another one because I just made them really strong and my raid could use one. I, I know there's a character limit. I know there's a limit to how many characters you can have. I don't know what it is anymore. It used to be 50 because I used to run up against it all the time. I don't know if they increased it because of all the allied races and the the death uh, demon hunters when they brought demon hunters in legion and so forth. I think but it's I do... still 50 per license, but I could be wrong. Yeah, but if you, you know, if you have one of every class at 110, that's at most 12. I mean, if if you've got like one for every spec, you're still only you're below 40. Uh I I feel like it's better to keep them if they're that. If they're 110, I'd just keep them. You know, it's not like they're that hard to find. Uh, I mean, if you know which one you want to work on, pick that one and then just focus on the three you've got at 120 and leave the rest alone. I've got like four 120s. Uh, I don't play all of them. Uh, I do the ones I don't play, I just leave there. Uh, I'll pick them up in the next expansion if I feel like it. So yeah, I, my suggestion would be to to not delete them. That's my take on it. I wouldn't delete them either because what happens if we come across another expansion where it's like Legion where we have a bunch of class-focused content and you want to play through it on your classes and then you don't have your classes. I mean, yeah, Legion was one expansion, but that's not to say that they're not going to do that again at some point. I mean, people really liked the class stuff in Legion. Maybe that'll come back again. So I I just, it, I don't know. It's like Rossi said, you know, when you pay for a boost, I, I think it's like 60. I think it's 60 for a class boost or for a level booster. I think I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know because I've never actually bought one. I've only gotten them when I bought an expansion. Yeah but, yeah, but it comes with the expansion and then, you know, you're paying for the expansion. I think it's slightly less than that if you're just paying for it. But it's still, it's like, it's a lot of money. It's it's not a small amount of money. And you can get your characters restored after they've been deleted. But why would you, like, I wouldn't delete them. If I If I did anything, I would say, if you haven't, on your server of choice if all of these characters are on the same server make sure that you move your max level characters to the top of your character select list so you have all your lower level ones at the bottom and then you have the ones you're focusing on up at the top and you can kind of ignore the ones underneath it unless you want to 
unless you want to play them. Um, I wouldn't delete them. I just, I wouldn't do that. That just seems like, ooh, no. I mean, I... I deleted a paladin. I leveled a paladin from 1 to 80 back in Wrath. And then I deleted the paladin because I just, I was like, this class just really isn't exciting to me. I don't really want to play it. And then guess what I ended up doing as soon as they <laughs> introduced the character restore thing? I brought the paladin back. Why am I going to play the paladin? No, maybe. I played it a little bit. I still don't like it very much, but I want that character there. I just, I want that character there. That character has a bunch of achievements and stuff too that I, that I got on that character that went away when I deleted that character. So I just, I don't know. It's just, it's something, it's something I, I hesitate to tell you to de de delete them or anything. Um, the other thing, Rossi, they want to know what third class should they keep or what third class should they focus on next? Come on. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Why even ask me? I mean, seriously. Of course it's going to be mage. No, I'm kidding. Oh, it's weird. Come on. I mean, I don't, I don't even feel like I need to answer this. I feel like answering it is almost insulting you. Uh, yeah, warrior, if you just hate warriors, death knight. Uh, if you don't like plate classes, rogue. I mean, that's... That's all I got for you. I, I really don't understand why you'd ask me. Warrior. I'm always going to be saying warrior. Um, I say level a druid. <laughs> when you get to max level, if you unlock the allied races, the Zandalari druids and the Kul'Tiran druids are both pretty cool. <laughs> so you could pay to, you know, do a race change at that point with that character. Plus druids are fun. I don't know. I like druids. They kind of do a little bit of everything. And it's sort of, what are you in the mood for? Are you in the mood for some kind of fast-paced combat? Cool, you can be a cat. Are you in the mood to tank? Cool, you can be a bear. Are you in the mood to go pew-pew? Cool, you can be that crazy-looking, insane boomkin that isn't a boomkin. It's just terrifying. <laughs> yeah, you can be a, a pterodactyl person slash uh, a horrifying skeletal monster. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what those things are, but whatever they are, oh my god! <laughs> but they're amazing. So yeah, um, druids. I, I always think druids are kind of fun, and they're kind of a fun alternative. And you know, you can pick from several different playstyles with that one, with just one character. So if you're just going to level one and focus on three, I'd do that. Either that or a rogue, because I really like rogues, and you can sneak everywhere. So you know, that's just me. Okay. Keep in mind, though, you will have trouble with daggers. You will. Unless you decide to play Outlaw, in which case. Have fun, because every weapon that drops is going to be for you! Anyway! <laughs> oh, well, they, they, they are changing it. They are changing it so that it drops something for your specialization when it's an emissary. Really? Yeah, they are. That is changing. I think that's an 815. Uh, <sighs> they, they did. So that's that's changing. So that's that should be a relief to you rogues who want to... I might actually get another dagger. That'd be great. <laughs> now, if it's an item level that I could actually use, that's going to be doubly great. Cool. Okay. All right. We should probably wrap up, though, because we are, like, at the end of the show here. Um, 
Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, okay, guys, this is going to be the end of the show. If you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be here next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.